everybody, and welcome to Behind the Wing, the 315th Airlift Wings official podcast. I'm your host, Major Wayne Caps, along with my co-host... Tech Sergeant Bobby Pilch. Bobby, what's going on? This is our second official podcast. We're having a blast doing this. It's been a pretty big hit so far. Yeah, so far so good. It's been well received by... The masses? Masses, yes. Masses, <laughs> the wing. You know, I, I think uh, Michael was telling us we've had some great downloads. Yeah, it's been a pretty good product so far. I mean, we're excited to do it. This is our second big official podcast, and we're gonna have a, we've got a good show planned. Yeah, it's been it's been really busy. We've got some folks that have come back from the Red Horse Squadron who who were deployed for several months out in the desert. So they're gonna be sitting down with us and telling us about what went on over there. And I'm gonna be talking to the 315th Air Medical Evacuation, one of my favorite missions here in the wing. It's it's a reserve unique mission here at Joint Base Charleston. I think that's Kind of cool. These are the, the medical folks that bring wounded service members back from a war zone. And they played a big part in all this hurricane relief that we had. So very cool to talk, sit down and talk to those people. Yeah, our folks were everywhere. They were down in uh, Puerto Rico, in Texas. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear their stories. You name it, they were there. So taking care of whatever needed to be taken care of, evacuating people out of an emergency situation. Yeah, in addition to that, our new segment with Michael Dukes will be coming up, and he's got a lot of great information to share just before the holidays. Absolutely. So we've got a couple great stories. We have a deployment story. We have a, a hurricane medical evacuation story, and then we'll talk about our news right before the holidays. Great. Looking forward to it. So let me set this up for you. We have our 315th Air Medical Evacuation. I had a chance to sit down and talk to them about their mission and what they do and how they participated in those really bad hurricanes the last month or so. So take a listen. Well, I'm here in the studio with Captain Julia Lesage. She's actually a flight nurse with the 315th Air Medical Evacuation Squadron. Welcome to the podcast. It's actually our our second show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about what you do. Tell us what the Air Medical Evacuation Squadron does. Our mission is to take the wounded warrior from either the point of injury or where they've been stabilized to bring them all the way home and get them the care that they need. Uh, It's a pretty incredible mission. You know, I've actually flown with AE for a number of years, you know, just being around for a while. I've been able to fly on some real-world missions out of Iraq and Afghanistan. and, And let me tell you, I've got a newfound respect for what you guys do. I'm a huge fan. Well, thank you. So tell me, you're a flight nurse, so what does that mean? What do you do? Our team consists of uh, five people. We have two flight nurses and three aeromedical evacuation technicians, which is AET for short. Uh Um, And together we fly and we just transport the the wounded warriors from the medical facility that we pick them up from, uh, whether it is overseas or if it's stateside, we just get them to the next echelon of care. We provide transportation to and from where they're going as well as the care that they need en route. So if they need dressing changes or they need medication, we provide that to get them safely from point A to point B. So you have a different career path from a normal flight nurse. I've worked with you for a long time, just seeing you around the wing. Like me, you you went a different route to get where you are right now. So let's take a minute to talk about your career path. All right. Well, I started back as a brand new airman in fuels. I was a fuel truck driver, so I gassed up all the aircraft. So you went from a fuel truck driver to a flight nurse. I did. (laughs) I don't know exactly how that transitioned. I always wanted to be a nurse, but joined the Air Force to serve my country 
country. And that was the job that was selected for me. Learned a ton, enjoyed it so much on active duty and went around the world with that. But I still wanted to go back to my roots of being a nurse. So I went into the reserve so I could attend school full time, got my nursing degree. And during that time, stayed enlisted in the 315th Airlift Wing and became a first sergeant to continue to get that service for the people outside of just the aircraft. And that was an easy transition to for me from the enlisted part over into the nursing part, um, serving people. You know, it's not it's not very often that you see a first sergeant switch over and become an officer, let alone a flight nurse, which is a whole other specialty. So what kind of response have you seen from people who have watched you transition over the years? Oh, I've had so much support from my commanders pushing me saying, this is really where you need to go to people that I work with that say, we're so happy to have you here that you didn't choose the retirement path, but you came over here to to work with us. And it's just, everyone's been very supportive and it's just been such a a wonderful enhancement to the end of my career. Oh, that's great. So I want to switch gears and talk about air medical evacuation. Again, it's a unique job in the Air Force. It's one of those jobs that it's primarily a garden reserve job. Actually, it's 88% Garden Reserve. So here at Joint Base Charleston, the active duty doesn't have an air medical evacuation. So when they need something, they call on the reserve. So why do you think that is? Well, our role is to enhance the operational missions that are going on. So any wounded warriors that are injured in battle, we're bringing them home. So it's not something that's necessarily needed every single day. So we do have deployments where we go on those rotations and are in place, but it's not something that they need nurses for on an every single day mission. So it's primarily a wartime capability, if you will. Exactly. So uh, besides the wartime stuff that you all do, which is it's some pretty heavy stuff flying with a real world air medical evacuation crew. It's, uh, it's one of the most rewarding missions that I think that a person can fly on. It is. So our nurses and med techs are actually working in the civilian sector, and they are pulling that knowledge that they have and that experience that they have from either riding as a paramedic or a medical technician or serving in the emergency room or in ICU, and they're bringing all that to the mission that we do on the aircraft and our daily missions. And so we're getting that real-world, up-to-date experience and bringing that to our mission. So let's talk about missions that aren't wartime-related. We had an extremely busy summer with two major hurricanes hitting the East Coast. Joint Base Charleston, we normally, we're at the forefront of helping everybody else out, but we evacuated just like everybody else, except for the air medical evacuation. You guys went on the road immediately to help out. So what did you all do during these past two hurricanes? Our members are ready for anything that comes our way. We train and we maintain our readiness so that we are ready for these situations when they arise. We had members that went out in support of Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma to put together teams of flight nurses that went in and evacuated people, as well as the ground team that helped get everyone where they needed to go. Well, that must have been pretty rewarding, especially that knowing you're here in the U.S., helping people, helping our neighbors, essentially. Yes. Our members, when those requests go out, we might have four or five lines to fill, and basically our entire squadron volunteers. It's, this is what we train for. This is what we sign up for. And so it's, it's exciting to get to serve our country in this way. That's incredible to hear. Switching, you know, we were talking about stateside missions. You guys have more stateside missions. I thought that the air medical evacuation was primarily an overseas 
wartime mission, but you guys do so much more. Let's talk about some of the stateside missions that you do. We do. We support the stateside mission one week at a time. A group will go to each of the three bases that our stateside mission encompasses. So either at Andrews, Kelly, or Travis Air Force bases. Mm -hmm. And the members that are injured overseas come through Andrews Air Force Base, and then we get them to the other locations and get them closer to their home of record, their final bit of care, and to get them back into their home units. So essentially, you're bringing people home. We are. Yeah, what a, what a good feeling that is. What other missions do you fly? We do a lot of training missions, so we help other units to get them the training that they need on our aircraft if they have a different aircraft that they fly regularly on so that they can stay up to par with the C-17 aircraft. Air medical evacuation technicians and flight nurses are qualified on C-130, KC-135, and C-17 aircraft. But since our primary aircraft is C-17, we like to look at to other units that have those other types of aircraft to give us that training, and then vice versa, we give it to them so that we can all stay current on these different types of aircraft. Well, speaking of which, you all are helping out our, our neighbors to the north just a little bit. Charlotte Air National Guard will be receiving C-17 soon and you're getting them spun up. Correct. They have had C-130s in the past, so they've been coming down here and flying with us and getting familiarized and comfortable on the C-17, so when they get that mission, they are ready to, to rock and roll with their front-end pilots and loadmasters. So you guys are kind of a showcase for us, being a reserve unique mission here at the base. When everybody comes in town, when we get the visitors that come, we like to show you off, and everybody likes to see what air medical evacuation does. We do like to show off our mission. It's such a unique mission. We set up static displays on the aircraft, and we have people from all over come and visit us. And so just recently, we had the Republic of Korea Ministry of Defense come and just check out what we do and, and see what we offer. That's great. What do they think about what you do? They don't have this type of capability. Right. Everyone from the local civic leaders to the Republic of Korea Ministry of Defense, but Yes, they were excited to see the uniqueness of our air medical evacuation mission and that we move the wounded warrior from one point to another. And, you know, speaking of exactly what you do, if you look at the stats overall, and I don't have any of those stats in, in front of me, but it's amazing how far we've come from, let's say, the World War II era to Vietnam, from Desert Storm until now. You'll see how long it takes an injury to occur on the battlefield to get to that definitive care in a hospital in the United States where they're side by side with their family. Right. That we can be there at a moment's notice. They can just pluck an aircraft out that is mission ready, put an AE crew on it, and get those members evacuated out into that level of care that they need to survive. From a historical standpoint, that's almost unheard of. I remember doing a story a few years ago where we had a gentleman who was injured in Afghanistan, and he was so bad, and he needed such emergency care that a C-17 crew, they were called in, they sent a Black Hawk from the battlefield to the base, they put the gentleman on the Black Hawk, you guys took care of him and kept him safe, and flew all the way to San Antonio, Texas, in one shot. So from a historical standpoint, it's never been done before. Exactly. And there's specialty teams that can fly with us. So we are trained on the aircraft. We have the critical care air transport teams. We have other specialty teams that can fly with us and provide the care in, in the air specific to that patient. And then we can transport other patients along with them and maintain the interface between the aircraft and that specialty team. 
Yeah, it's a, it's it's an amazing job, and I hear you guys actually need flight nurses. Is that true? Always need flight nurses and air medical evacuation technicians. You know, and I've had some family members who have actually looked into that. What's it like? What's the process? Let's say you're a nurse on the outside, and you say, you know what? I think I want to fly. What's it like? We're always looking for flight nurses, and to get your foot in the door, you need a four-year bachelor's degree, and you'll be able to talk to the health services recruiter once you have one full year of nursing experience, and we like to typically have either emergency department or critical care experience. Well, and also, on top of that, I know you need flight nurses. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, if you're on the outside looking into the military, when you think about somebody joining the military, you think about the 18, 19-year-old kid that comes in and goes to the recruiter's office scared with their mom and dad. That's not necessarily the case. To be a flight nurse, you can be up to 47 years old to join. And I've actually seen that. You all had a flight nurse who I went on a mission with, and she said she was looking through recruiting brochures and college application brochures with her son, and she came across a flight nurse brochure. And she said, hmm, I've always wanted to do that. And her kid ended up going off to college, and she joined the military to be a flight nurse. I thought that was the most amazing story. It is, and she's an absolute joy to fly with, and she has so much experience and so much knowledge that she passes on to the rest of us. We just love having her. Uh, One of the best quotes that I've ever heard, you know, she kind of smiled when we were talking to her. She said, they told me I couldn't make it because of my age. I showed them. Yes, she did. (laughs) (laughs) So, last question. Do you enjoy your job? I absolutely love it, and I just want to put out there, too, it's not just about the flight nurses and about the flight aeromedical evacuation technicians. We have so much ground support within our squadron. We have medical service corps officers. We have medical admin. We have medical logistics. And so all of that together pulls together and makes us just one really amazing, awesome squadron. That is incredible. So talking to Captain Julia Lesage from the 315th Aeromedical Evacuation Squadron, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Major Caps, that was an amazing story, and to hear what our airmen are doing around the globe and uh, right here in the States during a time of crisis. Absolutely. If you didn't learn anything, you'll realize that if anything happens around the world, the 315th Airlift Wing is there, and I think that's that's a pretty cool thing. Definitely, and to think that these folks, this is not their full-time job, that they actually have full-time civilian jobs, and when called upon, they get out there and they go at it. Absolutely, and it's it's extremely impressive. So my hat's off to the 315th Aeromedical Evacuation Squadron. Thanks for everything you do, guys. And we'll switch gears for just a quick second and talk to Michael Dukes, our news director for the program. He's actually going to fill us in on the local news in the wing. Michael, what's going on? We've got several good stories going on. One of the biggest that I'm going to mention first is we've won several communications awards at the AFRC level. Yes, yes. (laughs) So Air Force Reserve Command just presented the 315 Public Affairs with a couple of awards and also our brothers over the fourth combat camera. So, you know, we... We typically do pretty well every year. What what awards did we clean up with this year? Well, the most relevant to this particular podcast is we won Best Innovative Product for the podcast. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. So, so, yeah. So, Air Force is not really big on podcasts right now. We are the only wing in the entire Air Force that has our own podcast. So, we're trying to uh, dip into a market that the Air Force really hasn't touched and try to get our message out to to people who are out there, and the Air Force looked at us and said, huh, maybe 
maybe we should play along in that. And they actually gave us a award for this first podcast. Yeah, yeah. And also within that same category, our own First Lieutenant Richard Coxum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just got back from his deployment. Well, he was recognized for his efforts, which you can probably speak to uh, why it's unique. Yeah, he won Best Public Affairs Company Grade Officer of the Year for Air Force Reserve Command. Huge, huge honor to be selected for that. But he was a lieutenant over in the desert running his own public affairs shop. He was the only lieutenant in public affairs across the Air Force who was deployed last year. We normally don't deploy lieutenants, so we normally right, wait until right. you're a captain before you deploy. So he's got that prior enlisted uh, experience, and he came in ready to go, and they let him go overseas and run his own PA shop, and he did one heck of a job, and he got recognized for that. So congratulations, Richard. Yeah, definitely well-earned. Yeah, and we're looking forward to the lessons learned that he brings back to the oh, yeah. office. The third award that we won was for our fourth combat camera. This kind of relates to our first story with the hurricanes this summer. And so combat camera won a crisis communications award for AFRC. Congratulations. And we want to have the fourth combat camera on our show. It's uh, Most of those folks are commuters, so it's it's hard to do just on a reserve weekend, on a, on a drill weekend. So... Uh, we're going to get them in probably next uh, next podcast and talk about their new unique mission here in Charleston. So congratulations to the 4th Combat Camera. Yes. Yeah, and that should be a great interview as well. Yes. So what else is going um, on, Michael? Let's see. A Red Horse came back with about 120 folks from their deployment in the desert. A lot of them were there for over six months. We also had a big group come back from our aerial port and a few other... Deployment stragglers coming in? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Just well, time for the holidays. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome home, everybody. Welcome home to all the 315 members who have been deployed. It's, it's such a... It, you know, I got home right before the holidays on my deployment. And wow, what a, what a good uh, little relief that is to kind of get that off of you. Yeah, everyone's going to get some nice, hopefully, home-cooked meals, some turkey... Uh, and, and some fixings, as we like to say, here in Charleston. So, welcome home, everybody. <laughs> For our final thing, we are coming up on the holidays. Thanksgiving is upon us already, so a lot of people will be driving out of the area. We just ask that you be safe. And as far as traveling, the weather around here is not a concern, but for those that might be going through mountains or heading up north, just be safe. It's a little slicker if it's icy or, or wet or cold. Because you know people down here can't drive at all. <laughs> we, we just can't drive, especially if it rains, it's gridlock. Yeah, if it rains too hard, we shut the roads down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way we do it here. <laughs> so uh, is that all the news you That's have? That's all the news we have this time. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for the news update. So let's talk about what we've got coming next. Bobby, it's on you. Yes, sir. So I had the opportunity to sit down with two of our returning uh, deployed members from the Red Horse Squadron, uh, Captain William Hay and Sergeant Miles Keller, and they've got some great, uh, great stories to tell and uh, learned a lot about what their mission was and some of the great accomplishments they had while they were deployed. So that'll be coming up next. Get, get, get ready. All right, I'd like to go ahead and welcome two of our deployed airmen who have just returned back from the desert with the Red Horse Squadron. I have with me Captain William Hay and Sergeant Miles Keller. Gentlemen, welcome to Behind the Wing. Good morning. Good morning. So first, I just wanted to ask you, you've been back for what, about a week or so? Been back for about two weeks now. About two weeks? Great. And if you could tell me a little bit about uh, your your overall deployment, some, some of the maybe milestones or accomplishments that, that y'all had over there. A lot of building. Uh, I'm, I'm a vehicle maintainer, so I do more of the fixing of the equipment that's used to build things, but 
Yeah, we put up a lot of a lot of structures, laid down a lot of concrete. Wow, wow. And if you could, uh, for folks that aren't familiar with the with, with the Red Horse Squadron, it, it's actually an acronym, correct? That's right. Okay, and, and would, would you mind explaining to the to the folks listening what, what does Red Horse mean? Well, the acronym is Rapid Engineer Deployable Heavy Operational Repair Squadron Engineers. So we have engineer in there twice. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know most people, they drive around the base, they see the giant Red Horse, and they're like, Okay, that must mean what it is. So that's that's great. And I, in fact, I myself didn't didn't know until some years ago. Someone explained to me it was an acronym. So, could you go into some some uh, some detail into actually what what the Red Horse does, what what its overall mission is? The the big thing about Red Horse is that we're a, a self sustainable engineering unit. So I mean, really, you can put our unit uh, anywhere, and we have all the troops capable of handling all the service requirements, personnel requirements. Uh, as well as construction, vehicle maintaining, executing contracts, uh, getting money, everything. So that, that's really the, the big difference between us and like in a regular main base CE. So as far as what we build, it's a lot more heavy construction. You know, I think that me and uh, Sergeant Keller had two pretty different, our, our sites had different type of construction projects where uh, I was in northern Iraq and predominantly worked on uh, horizontal construction. So uh, airfield projects, uh, taxiways, runways, which is one big piece to Red Horse, but then the other big piece is, you know, pre-engineered buildings, case bands, tents and stuff like that, which is what you were working on up there at uh, yeah. Aldafra. Okay. Now, what's what, what's kind of unique, Captain, is you, you kind of do this in your civilian world as well, correct? So so this, your, your job as a reservist in Red Horse kind of kind of mirrors that. Could you explain a little bit about what, what you do on the outside? Yeah, there's some similarities. So predominantly what I do on the outside is more of the site development piece, uh, design work, and then actually overseeing construction and making sure they're building it the way that it was designed, which Red Horse has that element as well. Predominantly what I was doing on this deployment was actually managing the construction piece where we were in charge of the crews, allocating personnel, getting equipment, getting supplies, and actually physically building the project. But yeah, there, there's a lot of similarities between what I do every day yeah. <laughs> outside of the military and then also coming in and a lot of my private sector experience really helped out a lot on this deployment as well. That's great. Now, now Sergeant, you're, you're, you're a little different. You're actually a full-time student, correct? Right. Conversely, my <laughs> career field or what I expected to be in has nothing to do with my job in the military. Okay. Yeah, I'm Interesting. A computer science and software engineering major and I'm a vehicle maintainer for the Air Force. So. Okay. Wow. Well, that's, I, I guess it's kind of good because it balances out. You do something totally different on the reserve right. side. So, there's an EMP wow. bomb that goes off and just takes out all technology. I still have a job. Okay. Assuming we go back to carbureted motors. Okay. Great. So were there any uh, major big, big projects that, that you consider, you know, kind of milestones or you kind of put your mark on your deployment? I'd say for us in Iraq, we had three major projects that we were working on, completed two of them um, ahead of schedule, which is great. Our, our guys really worked their tail off. But the first project that we completed was a concrete taxiway. And we were actually at an airport, which had a runway long enough to be C5 capable. So we were basically taking a 40-year-old taxiway, removing it and putting in a new taxiway to make it fully C5 wow. capable. And it's the only C5 capable runway for Iraq and Syria. So a lot of the stuff would come in via C5, which obviously is a huge force multiplier to be able to have a reliable aerial port for C5s come in on. They'd offload the cargo and send that to wherever they needed to. The other project that we worked on was a asphalt runway. It was a little bit further away from the airport where I was at, at an undisclosed location. That was a predominantly a special forces base. Okay. So we took a runway that, that got beat the hell yeah. via initial invasion 
back in 2003 and we completely resurfaced the entire runway and then for about a thousand foot span of it we did a full replacement of it so down three feet replacing all the dirt and all the way back up so wow. it's got a brand new asphalt surface on it and is now capable of allowing several thousand passes for c17 wow that's so, impressive yeah our, our guys uh, really really worked hard to get those projects done the the runway project was was pretty unique in the sense that we didn't have there wasn't really it was really out in the middle of nowhere wow and uh, we sent all of our equipment and guys up there to to go do this project it was just a, it was just a really uh, unique job now uh, captain this is all done i mean was this all done six month deployment or, or was it done and in, in, with other i guess other groups deploying the, the previous the rotation that we replaced got the contracts awarded for material yeah those two projects we completely started and closed out on our on our six month rotation. okay wow that's impressive now sergeant could you kind of expand about a little more what, what your role was what you did and maybe some some unique experiences challenges that you had while you're over there yeah that was a I guess it's a little more difficult for me to go into the intricacies of the building side of things since I'm so removed from that. I just yeah. we have our own shop that really just people just bring stuff in. And, hey, I broke this. Or, yeah. <laughs> this broke in a way that we don't know how. You know that kind of thing. And, yeah. Uh, most of my stuff was just fixing vehicles that have been down for a long time. That seems to be a big problem. Is getting parts out and you know other yeah. Side oh of the yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so, everything's being flown in and yeah. yeah hope, hope you got you have the part. Yeah. 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 So there's there's a lot of improvisation. A lot of uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of it, unfortunately, comes down to this, like waiting on things. Like you can't rig an airbag, you know? right? You wait. That's a very big safety thing. So yeah, but uh, yeah, it was really just keeping up the fleet, making sure all of the heavy equipment, especially because we're so heavy equipment oriented, right? Making sure the bulldozers, the dump trucks, all that stuff stay up and running. Yeah, because yeah, because you guys rely on one another. Yeah, if your dump truck goes down a bulldozer, yeah. that that runway is not not going to proceed forward. And those things take a beating. Oh, oh man, I can imagine, <laughs> especially in that environment, the harsh environment that you guys were in. Um, yeah, I can imagine the heat and just yeah, all that the stuff. Rust, what it does to do. Strangely enough, really, yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is about the air out there because I mean, a lot of them, I guess, are fairly coastal, but it seems like everything out there. I guess it's probably the wind sweeping from yeah. the sand and stuff just causes everything to corrode. Really? So that's a yeah. big, big problem. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I, I think more like an Arizona environment, you know, with exactly, the, yeah. like Davis Moth and where the, where the boneyard is, you know. But, <laughs> but, but, but totally unlike that. Yeah. Okay. It's very humid, actually. Okay. Very, very humid. Yeah, I'd say almost near Charleston. Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, we've got our fair share of humidity here. <laughs> um, What's well, kind of great, too, that, that, that you're here because the holidays are about to kick off. So excited to be home, home, home to the family because I, I think what you're going to be finishing up your processing and then heading home for, for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we, uh, I guess you'd say, made it back just in time. Yeah. There was a time where we weren't sure if we were going to make it back for Thanksgiving. Really? So it's, yeah, because right. you know, they have all these different staggered rotations out depending on who goes where, and we weren't really sure until right before we left when we were going to come back. So it's okay. nice to be back for the holidays. Well, that's great. And Kevin, you, you've got a, you've got a family as well you're, you're coming back to? Yes, sir. I've uh, got one child. i got a three-year-old girl, and I'm married. So it kind of stunk to miss summer, you know, because I, yeah. I enjoy doing summer in Charleston. But it's really great. It's it's going to be great to be home and um, enjoy the holidays with uh, with the family. It's it's definitely a lot different now having a, having a three-year-old. You know, the older yeah. they get, the more they actually enjoy it. And, and getting the presents and stuff like that, and you know, spending time with them. That's so, great. Were, were you able to communicate with your family a lot while you're over there? Utilizing, uh, you know, social media and things like that. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a lot different than, than uh, my last deployment. The majority of us up in Iraq had little Wi-Fi puck. Yeah. On that base, and when I was traveling to my other job, I had internet the entire time. That's great. I could text, 
FaceTime, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the infrastructure was really, you know, I guess established where I was, so yeah. I didn't have a lot of stuff to worry about. Like that, they had actually a really fast internet connection. I think I talked to my girlfriend more when I was deployed than I'm comfortable <laughs> doing. <stage. laughs> yeah. 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 Now you've spoiled her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> Prior to us doing the interview, you guys were kind of talking about the yellow ribbon experience. Was there anything you'd like to share about yellow ribbon program? Uh, you know, that was good for you and your family's priority being deployed? Right. Uh, I think it's a really rewarding experience. It's obviously nice to be able to go to a location that you don't typically reside at and have a paid-for vacation. Granted, you do have to go to training and stuff like that, but I think that it's uh, very relevant to the pre-deployment experience. I haven't been to a post-deployment Yellow Ribbon event yet, but the classes that they offer are very relevant to adjusting and having your family able to prepare for the deployment and how to support you when you're gone. And that's great. Also, they, you know, make sure that you're a good airman and you stay in contact with right. your family. Right. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. But it's, I think it's definitely a good program and it helps a lot with uh, having your families and yourself ready for the deployment. Yeah, spinning them up on all the things that yeah, they're exactly. entitled to. And, yeah. Right. That's great. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm so glad you took time out of your busy day prior to heading out for the holidays to talk with us and wish you best of luck and, and uh, safe travels home. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Wow, what a great interview and a heck of a mission they've got. Yeah, they had quite a few accomplishments over there. And the most interesting was the fact that they, you know, the, the whole repaving of the runway and the work they did over there is simply amazing. Yeah, and it's uh, working in the desert like that. When you're going from location to location to location and not so friendly places, you know, not the best neighborhoods in the world. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hot. It's lonely over there. Uh, yeah, hats off to those folks who did the mission and, and now they're home for the holidays. So, welcome home, Red Horse. We're glad to have you back in Charleston. Enjoy your family time, and then we'll see you back here at the base soon. Well, that just about does it for Behind the Wing. This is our November podcast, and we're excited that this is the second product that we've actually put out. We're going to keep this keep this thing going and if you have some good stories send them to us you can go on our facebook page at the 315th airlift wing you can find us talk to us tell us what you want to hear tell us what you like tell us what you don't like if you don't like to hear from bobby just let me know thank you sir appreciate that (laughs) Um, also please download our app michael dukes is actively keeping that thing fresh so you can also communicate to us with the 315th official app it's in your app store just type in 315th airlift wing all the latest news, information, schedules, you name it, it's on our smartphone app, so you can get it there. So, again, on behalf of everybody here in the 315th Airlift Wing, I want to thank you for watching Behind the Wing. I'm Major Wayne Caps And Tech Sergeant Bobby Pilch. And thank you so much, and we'll see you next month on Behind the Wing. You, you said watching. Watching Behind the Wing. And We're listening. We're listening. Hold up. And pick up line. Listening to Behind the Wing. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>